I'm Stephen, he's Chris, and this is the Mobile Arcade Club, a podcast about playing cool mobile games with friends, especially those featured on Apple Arcade. Coming up on this episode, long-form idle drama in Game of Thrones Tale of Crows. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Mobile Arcade Club. This time, Stephen and I will be checking out Game of Thrones, A Tale of Crows, or Tale of Crows, rather, there's no A there, but uh, yeah, interesting, Uh, we're revisiting the Game of Thrones universe after, what was it, last year, there was the uh, the universally panned finale season, of which I still haven't watched and can't say I'm in any great rush to. Something uh, to look forward to when you get there, let's say. If I get there, we'll see yeah. how we go. Yeah, but, good point. <laughs> uh, but uh, from from what I did watch of the series, and I, I will have to admit here uh, whether this gets my credentials revoked, uh, I have not read the books. Um, oh, neither, so, so don't worry about that. You're in good company. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, at least among the two of us. Um, but, yeah, Tale of Crows, it's, it's interesting. And I think the uh, one thing that the TV show showed us of Game of Thrones that it is such a, a fascinating and rich setting to tell lots of different stories in. And I think uh, Tale of Crows has got quite an interesting premise to it. And Stephen, I'll, I'll throw to you to let you explain what uh, what this Game of Thrones outing is all about. Well, essentially you are, if if I remember correctly, a... Uh a lord commander at the at the knights of the knights watch uh, situated at castle black and you have responsibilities to i guess make decisions of how uh, how things work at castle black itself as well as you know scouting parties expeditions that are sent out under your under your watchful eye and yeah it all plays out in the form of a like an idle game which I found I was really fascinated to find out how this was going to work as an idle mm. game because most idle games I've played in the past are very you know, it, it plays while you're not there and gosh some of them make you keep the screen on to, otherwise it's not going to keep playing this is absolutely not one of those yeah they they all seem very focused on having you engage with it as much as possible or making things take long enough that you are willing to pay to to make things go a little bit faster and make your numbers go up bigger. This game is it, it takes the idle game concept and makes it far more relaxing, far less pressuring. It's it's a really really nice. It really surprised me how um yeah how it takes the idea of an idle game and just makes it a bit more I guess relaxed in its pace. You can play it as fast well not not really as fast as you want because as we'll t- touch on it's a uh, things take time it is a, a real-time idle game but you it, you're not going to be getting notifications every three minutes but hey you haven't gotten your hammer sharpened yet or something i don't know what happens in idle games but um yeah it's it's nice it lets you generally play as at your own pace yeah and it does uh it does tell uh sort of a, a story or many stories within within this game over a long period of time because for the Game of Thrones aficionados out there, uh, Taylor Crows does take place. This this is the origins of the Night's Watch and the, uh, 
the the Lord Commander and sort of the, the whole order of you know taking taking the oath and defending the wall, you know defending um, you know the the rest of the uh, you know the rest of the the kingdoms, you know from the the perils um, north of the of the uh, you know big ice wall. So this is set many, many, many years before the TV series that many of us are familiar with, um, because from my understanding, the Night's Watch in the TV series is already a very well-established order, mm. whereas here we're we're going right back to the uh, to the sort of initiation period, uh, which I think is also a, a good way of making sure they don't contradict anything from the books or the TV series uh, and that sort of thing, because this is set you know, way too far, um, you know, sort of early uh, to, you know, have any of those uh, story contradictions. Yeah, exactly. It definitely, it does have a lot of, um, it will mention houses and things like that that you'll recognise from the show or the books. But yeah, as you say, it's set so far removed from the storyline that has been presented so far that it has a lot of, uh, a lot of freedom to move around without, writing itself into a narrative hole having to fit itself around an existing storyline yeah and the the interesting thing with with a tale of crows is that um unlike unlike a lot of apple arcade games uh which you know some some sort of stick to one orientation but with tale of crows it's purely in a portrait mode orientation on phone uh, I haven't played it on iPad or Mac or anything, but on on phone, it is easily a game that you can play with with one hand because well it's, truly, it's all yeah yeah it's all set up very nicely in portrait orientation and the way that it sort of establishes the setting is you know if you're in sort of the um, uh, what is it, Castle Black or whatever it's called? Uh, it, the the visuals are these these nice sort of bisected uh, dioramas, yeah, uh, which are, which are really really quite nicely designed and sort of feel you know tactile to sort of tap around and that sort of thing. And it was really nice in how it um like depicts weather conditions and things. It'll be it doesn't have much of an effect on you know, the way the game plays out or anything, but you just see. Know, heavy rain happening on on this you know massive wall castle and it all just looks very striking yeah it's it's got a, a very uh, a very very bold and very distinct art direction which is is very cool uh it does it does stand out uh from a lot of other games and especially a lot of other idle games which mm. uh a lot of them these days for example i think um Maybe late last year, just just on a lark, I did check out a bunch of the popular idle games that were on on the top of the the app store at the time, and I didn't check before this episode to see whether they're still there. But one of them was this, you know, really bright and colourful, cutesy looking, you know, fruit chopper game or whatever, where it would you would have to upgrade this machine to you know regularly chop fruit and and that sort of stuff, um, and that was you know very bright and colourful and. And, and cutesy and appealing, almost to a bit of uh, to a bit of cheap effect, really. And yeah, then of course that can there get were many saccharin sometimes. It's like a bit much. Mm. And there were uh, a fair few imitations that adopted the same sort of style to try and get people to play that and that sort of thing. Whereas Tale of Crows, I I haven't really played anything quite quite like it or seen anything quite like this style. 
but the interesting thing is with how you play or play in inverted commas mm. um, Tale of Crows because a lot of it is is very very text based it's almost it almost errs on sort of visual novel elements because a lot of what you're doing is making uh, you know, sort of text based decisions based on scenarios that are thrown uh, thrown to you so for example uh, you know when the the order of the, the night's watch first starts up you'll have a, a small pool of men to send on expeditions beyond the wall and when you select the the menu to go on these expeditions you are given just a, a small range to start off with of locations or particular objectives for your men to complete beyond the wall such as you know explore further north of the wall you see what's there or clear clear trees uh, adjacent to the wall so you've got better visibility and can see threats from further distance that sort of thing but uh, what will happen is you'll you'll tap on one of these objectives and can, as long as you've got enough men to spare uh, in the form of leaders to lead these expeditions sort of tap or tap and hold to, to send them on their way and that will start the expedition but that's not where it ends is it Stephen? There's no, also uh, uh, there's also isn't. It's also updates along the way. Mm, yeah, and this was sort of where the, I thought, quite genius, uh, the way things are delayed it makes perfect sense in the game universe. You'll So when you'll have an expedition heading away from the wall, in Game of Thrones you can't call, you know, in this universe you can't call on a mobile phone or something, can't, you know, FaceTime to say, hey, Commander, what do you want me to do? You send a raven, and a raven takes a little while to get anywhere because... It's a small bird and it's trying its best. Um, but yeah, that means that the the way the, the game structures this and sort of spaces out your interactions is your the ravens will come in at sort of regular intervals based on how long it's been since you sent out an expedition. And they'll often present you with a little little story tidbit. We found a such and such person or there were some really concerning looking corpses on the ground in this cave what do you think we should do and you send you can send a raven back with i don't know explore the cave a little bit more you should be fearless or maybe steer clear of that because there are horrible things in caves and it just lets you have these little they're they're not super complex decisions but it's it's a nice little uh there'll always be a oh sorry there will never be an obvious correct way to go about things it's mm. always like oh which one which risk do I want to take to you know, potentially get a nice reward out of it? And I wasn't quite sure how much long-term impact there were on some of these because some of the decisions seemed a little bit, this probably won't affect us now, but hmm, maybe in a little while's time, people will notice what I've told them to do and will it come back to bite me? I'm not sure, but yeah, it, it gives you this really interesting framework to make simple decisions that, uh, thought-provoking nonetheless yeah especially you you wonder the long-term implications of some of the decisions that you make uh, especially not well even the, the expeditions you do feel that okay will by sort of burning these corpses will that mean that they won't reanimate as white walkers and we won't have to worry about that threat or if we left them would they become white walkers and would we have to fight them off sooner rather than later but also not just expeditions, but also uh, within the you know relative uh, security of Castle Black, you also receive 
visitors and, and representatives from the various houses and uh, neighbouring kingdoms and that sort of thing, asking f- uh, for various requests. Or um, the the one that I uh, had most recently was that um, a a, re- uh, a nearby settlement or village had a representative come and visit, and they were rather irate because they. Um, they assumed that the the town's brothels were at, at overflowing capacity because of uh, a bunch of the um, members of the, the Night's Watch were uh, blowing off steam, for lack of a better word there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I had the option of, of saying, oh, yeah, it's probably our men, I will punish them in due course. Or I opted for the second option because I actually had no idea whether it was uh, members of the Night's Watch or barbarians or other members of whatever Westeros society or whatever. And I said, I know nothing of the sort and I resent the implication. So (laughs) I I said that, which I wonder long term whether that means I will have... uh, should I require aid from this settlement, uh, whether they'll be reluctant to do so. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes. But yeah, this this is certainly a game that I feel to get the most out of. You've got to be in it for the long haul. But I would say I am quite interested in dipping back into this on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, I feel much the same way. It's something that plays out over such a long period of time. Like I've been playing it on and off for the last two weeks and I can see myself dipping into it every now and then just purely because it's so low effort or low commitment, I Mm. guess. All you have to and often can do is sort of jump into it. You'll have probably a backlog of all your expeditions are waiting for a reply and you'll have something happening at Castle Black and you can sort of decide what you're going to do for each of those and then can't do anything for a little while. So just go about your life and check in on it again later on. And the game doesn't punish you for not doing things immediately. You can take, I didn't do this, but I assume you could take, you know, a week between sending off an expedition and a raven coming back. I were waiting your reply, but that might be a little unrealistic, but it's, it's good in that it doesn't pressure you into playing any more than you are capable of potentially like i can just dip into this whenever i think of it and it is compelling enough that i do think about jumping back into it i don't forget that it's there which is nice and yeah i'm i can see myself jumping into this over time and i'd really want to see and i really hope it does go places with these decisions i hope they have some sort of material Mm. impact and they're not just like i don't know a fun reply when you resent the implication that your men would be at a brothel (laughs) It'd be nice mm. if that has some lasting impact. Yes, that that would be one hell of a payoff considering the slow burn that Tale of Crows does adopt. And I think on the point that you mentioned, Stephen, about how Tale of Crows doesn't punish you for taking your time in between you know, opening the app and, and playing the game and sending people on expedition, I I would go one step further and say... Not only does it not punish you for taking your time or for only playing the game for a few minutes at a time, I would say it actively encourages you to do so. In yeah. fact, it gets it gets to a point where uh, sort of the the section that I'm up to, I can have three three expeditions going at the same time, 
and then there'll also usually be one matter to deal with at Castle Black. Mm. So I will have either received updates or sent updates to the people on expeditions or had them return, and then I'll deal with whatever the matter is at Castle Black, uh, and then there'll be no further actions or no further things requiring the Lord Commander's attention. And if you let the game idle for a bit, it will actually come up with uh, the text down the bottom and says, uh, you know, I, I can't, actually can't remember the, the text. And I wish oh, I wrote it down like specifically. Something like the North waits or the North has time or something like that. It, I definitely know what you're getting at because it sort of yeah. encourages you saying, you don't need to watch this. Go about your life and we'll we'll give you a, a polite knock on the notification screen if there's anything that needs your attention in the future. Yeah, yeah. It says something like, yeah, the North waits, you know, check back later uh, because, you know, essentially nothing's happening now. You can go off and do something else. Don't feel like you're, you know, committed to just waiting here. However... It's not an unpleasant thing to do, uh, spending time waiting with Tale of Crows open, mainly for its excellent sound design and score. It's quite quite something else. Yeah, I found this as well, and it was something I didn't notice immediately because I wasn't playing with headphones or even with audio for a good while because I was just dipping in and out of it every now and then, so I'm not... You know, if I'm going to be playing a game for two minutes, I'm probably not going to bother getting the good headphones on. But it's a bit of a shame that because I think there's some really, really nice environmental ambience and just music generally in this game that's maybe worth, I don't know, just have your headphones in when you're doing something else and then play it and you'll hear all the nice, pleasant sounds. Yeah, I think especially... For example, if you have a, a daily work commute or uh, you know something else of the sort, and you've got your headphones into your your phone already, and you're doing other things, you know, make sure you you keep them on or pause the music that you're listening to just for a sec to uh, dive into the Tale of Crows just for a little bit, and then you know go back to whatever uh, else you know you were doing, because yeah, the sound design's just really lovely. There's uh, you know. Great, uh, great foley effects like the sound of the uh, the, the Castle Black Gates opening and mm, closing, and you know, the sound of uh, you know steel on steel, and also a lot of really cool, uh, as you said, Stephen, uh, ambient sound effects and um, sort of scored music as well, such as uh, like the the classic rising uh, sh- uh, shrill of strings when you make a pivotal moment or when mm. uh, something of of drama or of note happens so yeah there's there's really cool uh i suppose world building from a narrative sense and they've got no shortage of inspiration to draw upon with the the game of thrones universe but also just really great set dressing with the, the way that they've designed the game from a the visual sort of diorama perspective and also a lot of these these sound effects as well it's really it's really a game that has obviously had a lot of care and detail put into it and it, it shows yeah no absolutely i think the i'm glad you brought up those foley effects because it certainly it really just gets you i don't know it it, it was very unexpected for me i didn't expect that a game 
that encourages these short, quick play sessions would go to such sort of luscious effort to have such a beautiful presentation, both visually and orally. Like, yeah, I I was kind of blown away. Yeah, and I think there, there's also, as we've been saying, we're keen to see how Tale of Crows sort of uh, manifests or plays out over a longer period of time and what sort of payoff, if any, there will be. But I think um, another aspect is that there's there's a few sort of layers of gameplay elements here which I think we haven't quite touched on yet in when we're sending leaders or when we're sending Men of the Night's Watch to be leaders on expeditions uh, that they will have individual traits such as berserker or learned or stained or veteran or you know all these different traits which you can mm. tap on and it'll give you a little description like berserker is the sort of you know hit first ask questions later whereas learned is someone who's you know a bit of a scholar and will be able to um you know if anything like mysterious signals or mysterious um say cultural sort of things require a response then you'll be able to pick a response unique to that particular leader Mm. um, and sending different units on different expeditions can potentially result in being able to choose from a wider range of actions which i think is quite interesting so it'll be interesting to see how that sort of develops over time yeah i quite liked that option because the one that stood out to me i don't believe this is going to be spoiling anything but you know one of the kinds of people that you can have at the at the castle are wildlings which for people who are not well versed in game of thrones lore are people who live beyond the wall Mm. and people who live within the wall kind of see them as savages uncivilized Mm. just they'll do anything to steal your goods there they're just thoroughly unpleasant people but sometimes they will you know, they'll join join your cause and that will be one of the good ones, I guess, which is kind of sounds weird to say. But it's a bit of a story element in, in the show and the books is that they're, you know, they're just considered to be a different kind of people. Uh, and yeah, being able to have to send out a, a wildling out into the wilderness where they might encounter other people of you know, of their ancestry they could you know, it's interesting to see where that goes because it could be they will they have will they be met favorably because they are you know one and the same or is it going to be oh you're a you've deserted us and joined those horrible people inside the wall why would we ever talk to you again it's i like that that's that is an option and it adds some sort of complexity to who you choose to send out i haven't really seen much in the way of consequence yet but it's one of one of many things that I think has the uh, opportunity to to add a bit a little bit of depth to everything you're doing here. Yeah, and I think sort of the the whole even though we haven't necessarily seen far-reaching consequences of our actions or our potential inactions in Tale of Crows, I am utterly captivated and fascinated by just the concept of this game. If nothing else, I just really appreciate the concept of sort of a a narrative-based game that actively will only let you play it for a few minutes at a time Mm. and then says, okay, now come back later. It's it's almost sort of like... um, 
Oh, I'm trying to think of an analogy uh, that sort of suits, but it, it's almost it's almost a little bit old timey in terms of tuning in for the the latest episode of the radio serial and. Uh. And um, having to, to wait a little bit to see the next part of the story. And I think that there's a little bit of that that I find in Tale of Crows in terms of this story is drip fed to you or the story that you're being an active participant in is drip fed to you over a longer period of time. So every time you open the app or you go back to it, it's sort of like, okay, what, what will I learn now or what, what will happen on this instance? And then you'll make your decisions, close the app, and then you'll be thinking about it beyond that and between the time until your next play, thinking, okay, what, what implication or what outcome will that action have or, or what, what will happen? Who will visit Castle Black next uh, yeah, I- in, in my next sort of opening of the, the game? I never really thought of it that way, but I think you're really onto something. It kind of makes it unofficially episodic in a way, sort of in that mm. you need to wait for the next uh, bunch of actions that will happen, the the next few things, and it does give you that little bit of anticipation. I know that whenever I had run out of things to do, I was like, oh, gosh, I really hope I can get back into this again soon. Go, you know, scroll Twitter, get sad, see the notification that there's some new <laughs> things to see, and like, oh, cool, I can go back into the game. And it's like... It, yeah, it does build up that cycle of get, get things done, wait a little bit, and there'll be a new interesting thing to do, usually a couple of minutes later, but sometimes it can be a bit longer. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting comparison to even Game of Thrones itself as an episodic, or as the TV show at least, as an episodic narrative uh, played out over over a long period of time. And I suppose, arguably, Tale of Crows is faster paced than uh, George Martin's current writing of the next book in the series. So, <laughs> not holding out for that, gotta say. <laughs> I think uh, I think you and uh, many others uh, in that regards. But I think uh, again, touching on the, the concept of Tale of Crows and this sort of real time idle game or idle game that plays out in real time, is that. It is a genre that I have sort of enjoyed in the past. And when we were considering what to play next uh, before the previous episode or before recording the previous episode, you mentioned a classic sort of idle game that was all the rage on sort of the... Uh, I think this is more going back to the iPod Touch era even mm. uh, with... Um, what was it Tiny Tower? Or oh, yes, Tiny Tower. It? That's the one. Yeah. I... um. Yeah, I had this on. I'm pretty sure I had an iPhone 3G at the time. So, yeah, that... Look at you, early adopter. Gosh, yeah, I spent lots of money on that. Uh, but, yeah, gosh, that game, I this is about as different as as you could get while still being an idle game. But, yeah, it's interesting how things have progressed from that tiny tower. You're constantly going back every couple of seconds to, to go and do something and make the numbers get bigger. As this is, yeah, takes that same concept and makes it much more of a, an episodic narrative. Yeah, and more of a, a mystery as well because mm. you you don't see that this is almost anti modern game development at least. Not that this is a AAA game, but this is almost the antichrist of AAA development, where uh, a lot of major games that come out these days are revolving around sort of those RPG elements of do something to make your numbers get slightly bigger each time and, you know, it will do 
you know, more numbers do this, and therefore the more numbers will do this and will increase the more numbers to make the more numbers bigger than the more numbers previously. You can multiply uh, your numbers, Chris. Multiply. Yes. Multiply the numbers, <laughs> and sometimes the numbers have different colours to indicate different effects. Whereas Tale of Crows doesn't include any numbers whatsoever. Like, there will be references to your food rations and, uh, you know, supplies for your men on expeditions, but there's no sort of explicit indicator of, you know, how much, how many rations you have or, you know, you, you're low on this particular supply otherwise, other than, you know, a bit of text saying if someone's on an expedition, you know, the rations run low, but there's no number or uh, tangible statistic to sort of indicate okay, you need to start focusing on this. It's more of a, you're discovering it as they discover it, which I think is another cool layer of storytelling here. Mm, It makes it vague, almost to the point where it allows you to fill in the blanks in your own mind in a way that a lot of good stories do. It doesn't say, oh, you you only have three pancakes and two bags of flour left. It's just like, there's... We found some extra food. What should we do with it? Or we're running a bit low on food. And you, it gives you the space to interpret what that means. And I don't think you can interpret it incorrectly because it doesn't, as I say, it might, but it doesn't seem to punish you for not realizing that you have, uh, you know, not enough bags of flour or something <laughs> silly like that. But it's, um, yeah, it's good that it gives you that room to, to consider and think about it. Mm. And from a from a business perspective as well, and we've discussed this a little bit in previous episodes about the the ethos of Apple Arcade as a service and as a product. That the a lot of the games, or well, pretty well all of the games, are centered around uh, long term support, uh, such as you know constant or, or regular content updates to you know bring uh, repeat users back and you know bring people back in for repeat play sessions whereas i don't think i can think of a game on the service that takes the concept quite as literally as tale of crows in terms of hey you play for a few minutes now put it down and if you want to see what happens next you you have to come back later so i'm i'm interested I I feel like I've only scratched the surface, and from what you're saying, Stephen, it sounds like you've only scratched the surface. I'm very, very intrigued by how far Tale of Crows will go with this and sort of what uh, long-term support there will be because I imagine just because of the sheer, just because of the structure of this game, it will be a long period of time to sort of play out and see how a lot of these events will eventuate. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious as to, you know, what potential updates they'll add to that uh, as well, whether they'll sort of add... um, And I I think I, I like it the way that it is, but perhaps for some they might want to see a timer of when the next thing will be available or when the next update will be ready. Um, because at the moment there's no the only visual indicator is sort of tracking the the raven on the map um, and you can sort of extrapolate from that but uh, yeah i i wonder what uh, what post launch support they'll uh, they'll bring to this one yeah especially i think considering how as we've said so many times this is sort of a long term game that gives them the opportunity to to add new content that you know 
people will take a long time to get to it. So it means by the time they actually have the content ready to go, it's possible people will be just getting to that point. Or Mm. I think the thing they have to be careful of is if people hit a point where there's just nothing more to do, they might uninstall the game because you're not, if you don't have anything to look forward to, why are you having it sitting there taking up space? Mm. But, you know, considering that it's probably going to take people a while to get to that point, and if they have more content ready to go, uh, that, yeah, could definitely speak uh, for good long-term support, which is exactly what Apple seems to want out of Apple Arcade games, and it's kind of what I'd like out of Apple Arcade games. Indeed. And I think... I think that's pretty well all of the, the main things I want to, to mention about Tale of Crows. Is, it, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss, Stephen? No, not really. I think we've covered about all there is. It's, it's just, I think it's a game that is, I hope we've had it come across that it's not one that you play. And I feel like getting into that mindset almost a little bit like uh, Necrobarista that we talked about last episode, if you're mm. going into this expecting to be able to just mainline this, just get through that story, eat off all that content and you know go on to the next thing, it's not that. It's something that's going to be savoured over a long period of time, like a good, extremely long book, you could say. And I think it's it's lovely that this kind of game can be made that as a result of you know the Apple Arcade business structure, because I don't feel it would be viable, especially in the mobile market where it works so well. Like this would not work as a console game anywhere near as well as it does on mm. a phone. But I worry that if it weren't for a subscription service like this, people might struggle to pay an upfront cost for something like this. Mm. Or if they had to pad it out with microtransactions or ads, it would take away so much from just the, the purity of narrative and the visual uh, visual mm. prowess they have. If, if there was an ad for something in the top, it would kind of kill it a little bit. So, yeah, mm. I'm very thankful games like this can exist. Yeah, because I I know we were just sort of shaping up to, to wrap up, but I think <laughs> we've just very, very quickly brought up a, a couple of other interesting things because um, I've not played any of them, but I am aware that on the, on the App Store and they are quite a, a popular sort of type of game on mobile is sort of like the 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 serial episodic narrative games which i think are sort of they they tend to be romances or you know that sort of thing uh, as or mysteries like, you know, sometimes yeah yeah that that sort of thing whereas i think uh, a lot of them are, are free to play or free to download but then subsequent episodes or subsequent uh story arcs are in-app purchases and that sort of thing and i don't i don't without having played them just from the outside looking in i don't have any issue with that whatsoever because you know you've got to make money and you've you know i think it's totally fair that you know pay for the content you consume oh absolutely but but, uh yeah here with uh you know via a subscription service i think it is the ideal situation for a game like you know tale of crows to to flourish and yeah really really glad and really pumped that this game exists and i encourage anyone who is actively subscribed to apple arcade download it download it and just have it there next to apps you play on a regular basis or anything that you do regularly because it's it's quite fascinating just Mm. diving back into this on a on a semi-regular basis so um yeah really keen to see how this goes long term Absolutely. I think that's about all I have to say on that. 
Yeah, and that brings us to the end. And what we'll be playing on next episode, which will be episode 22, uh, this game is one made by our uh, trans-Tasman neighbours, the the old uh, uh, New Zealand neighbours that we have. Uh, Pickpock in particular, their game Agent Intercept was actually an Apple Arcade launch game from memory. And I think we we may have sussed this uh, a little bit out when we were doing our initial taste testing of what Apple Arcade had to offer. But uh, the, the folks at Pickpock have been quite busy churning through content updates, I think, on almost a monthly basis since it's yeah, released. Yeah, it like they had nine fairly major updates since the game had come out. So, yeah, they've been really keeping on this one. Yeah, so Agent Intercept, it's billed as Fast Cars and Spy Missions, which I'm quite uh, quite interested to dive back in and see what the new content's like because I, I do enjoy my spy action movies and that sort of thing. And I think, Steve and I recall earlier, you had your James Bond initiation uh, marathon with some of the older movies. So yep, still going. Watch from the beginning. I'm up to, oh gosh, next one will be GoldenEye, so that's exciting. But uh, that's, uh, that's another talk for another time. <laughs> Indeed. So yes, Agent Intercept for a good bit of spy car action, and that'll be on next episode. So thank you very much for joining us on the Mobile Arcade Club, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Catch you around. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help other people find us. You can follow the show on Twitter as well, at MArcadeClub. We're open to feedback or just to chat cool mobile games. You can follow Chris and myself too. Our handles are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.